That's for the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And guys, actually, we're getting a little Locked On NFL action, crossover action here. Uh, Matt Williamson, so kind enough to join us here this evening. A lot to talk about, uh, obviously, 1-31. Cleveland Browns looking to rebound from all of that. Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously a tough uh, home playoff last last year. A lot we're going to get into here with Matt Williamson. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for making the time here from this evening. How's everything going? Things are great, man. It, for those, just to pull back the curtain, it's Labor Day evening. Usually on Mondays on the Locked On NFL podcast, I get two or three of you guys from the different Locked On podcasts, but I didn't want to you know, impose too much today. So I figured the Browns are about the most interesting team in the league. The team that I cover on the side, the Steelers, are playing them this upcoming weekend. Um, you know, certainly would be an interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to it. But for my listeners, I mean, we are brought to you by my bookie as usual, and I'll tell you about them later. And the rest of the week is as advertised. You got Sage Rosenfels tomorrow, Mike Renner the next day, Mike Sando on Thursday, and then I'll be picking games on Friday. So things are good, man. The, the Locked On Network is rolling along. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the numbers, uh, we, uh, we always get our nice little weekly update from our good boss, David Locke. And guys, uh, everybody in all of the Locked On guys, uh, you know, kudos all around, guys. Everybody's putting the work. It's great to see from, uh, you know, a standpoint here, strength in numbers. And we definitely got it going on here. Uh, first thing I want to get to, and this is obviously the big situation in the NFL. And guys, for anybody who's listening to this, you may get it earlier on the Locked On NFL Network than you do on Locked On Browns. The Le'Veon Bell situation. It is now Labor Day, and it is going on almost 7.30 Eastern Time. Le'Veon Bell is not in the facilities yet at Pittsburgh. The rumor is, uh, from what I've gathered, and I'm sure Matt can confirm better, is that he will be back Wednesday. Status for Sunday, I mean, I guess we still have to stay up in air because until you're in the building, nobody knows if you're going to play. But, Matt, give us the best you can as far as what the Le'Veon Bell situation is right now. Yeah, I just left the Steelers facility, actually, and... When I had left there Friday, the rumor was, and most people thought, that today would be the day Bell would report, sign his tag. I mean, that's important, because right now he's not a football player. He's not a stealer. He has to sign his tag. And then there's a two-day grace period that's just NFL rule before he can get involved. So now, leaving the facility today, most seem to think, and this kind of comes indirectly through his teammates, that he will report on Wednesday. They're off tomorrow. There's not much reason to report tomorrow. But these are the same people who thought that he'd report on Monday. So if he reports tomorrow, he would practice Friday. And, or if he, I'm sorry, if he reports on Wednesday, he would practice Friday and presumably will be you know, in the game. But there's also – it's interesting because there's a lot of angles to this. That if, he, if, he, if, if they decide – hey, we haven't seen that much of you, you haven't been here, they can wait to activate Le'Veon Bell until after the Browns game, and therefore that's a check for like eight hundred and fifty grand that Bell wouldn't get. So it kind of would be like a getting back at him for sitting out situation, and they easily could spin it that, hey, we haven't seen you, James Conner looks great, they could save close to a million bucks and keep it out of his pocket, or they could just play them, see how it goes, which I think is how it will go. But how much will we play? I, I think the biggest issue there, though, is, is, I mean, if you haven't seen him yet, I mean, and look, you know, all these guys are constantly working out, but there's a difference between what you're doing on the side and what you're doing, you know, that relates to football. And, 
And, and is it in the best interest of the Pittsburgh Steelers if they trot him out there Sunday and a calf or a hammy or a groin and all of a sudden you're worried about, you know, did you sacrifice one Sunday week one for the greater good what could end up to be, you know, the month of September? Yeah, right. I mean, that that is the the line that you have to dance between in this game. And I would think a lot of it is, how does he look in the first series? How does he look in the second series? You know, go from there. Not to mention that I've been saying this a lot, that his style of running is so unique and patience and timing-based, I have to think his timing was going to be a little off. You know, he hasn't played football in a while. Not to mention he's such a good receiver, the timing and rhythm in the passing game is so important, and he hasn't ever worked with Ben since the season ended. So we'll see. I mean, that's a tough call. Um, And the other aspect of it, as I kind of mentioned, is Connor looks a ton better than he did a year ago. So I would think it's a split or ride the hot hand. I mean, I, I can't believe that you'll just throw Bell in there like they usually do and give him every touch. And, and you made a great point because, I mean, one of the things, and, and you see this now with college backs, and I was even at my alma mater, my high school alma mater's game, you know, Friday night. on Bell with this pause button approach where it's not just yeah. there yet. So he kind of just a little hitch in the giddy up till he absolutely is sure what he sees. I mean, that's going to be something where you have if you haven't ran the ball since January in a live NFL game, it's got to be something you got to be a little concerned about. Yeah, I would think. I mean, it's so unique, and he pushes that boundary even on his best day of wait, 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 go. You know, and not at all how anyone ever coaches it up. <laughs> that's for sure. So no. I think there's more room for error with him in that aspect than other backs. I mean, it'd be a lot different. It was Jerome Bettis, just get downhill and punish people. Well, I mean, exactly. I mean, the old edge was run 100,000 you know, 100, miles an hour to daylight. And But, you know, Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell has kind of broken that mold. So it's interesting in that fact. And, you know, that, that's really a tough thing when you were not part of the complete offensive unit. Um, yeah, we'll go to this here. Matt, um, look, I get asked a lot. Real I quick, really, uh, I just want to take it one step further, that even – their run calls and their blocking is different with Bell. You know that they'll run a lot of counters. They'll run a lot of long-developing run plays with pulling guards, particularly DeCastro, that take a lot of time to develop because Bell likes it that way. The longer the play goes, the more the defense reveals themselves and he picks a hole. So I could certainly see growing pains. And he didn't look great week one a year ago against the Browns. And exactly. I mean, you know, and a lot of people, oh, well, this, you know, Le'Veon is used to this. This is the way it's been done. But, you know, there still is 52 other guys who have been putting in work week in, week out. And that's kind of where they're, you know, accustomed to it. Matt, uh, I get asked a lot of questions about games and picks. You know, I try to give the one or two I think I'm confident in. I can only imagine what you get asked. Yeah, quite a bit. And. Uh, to be honest, I did pretty well with my picks last year, and I'm excited to see you keep that train rolling. And I'm going to do it at my bookie. And uh, even more important, or as important, obviously, is where you bet as much as who you bet on, because you need to get you have to have a site that you absolutely trust, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. So trust me, guys, they are no doubt your best bet this season. So. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is extremely easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. As I mentioned, I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they have been exceptional to me. 
That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting. That's actually one of my favorites. You know, like for example, I pay a lot of attention to the Steelers, and if I can tell that it's not their day against the Brownies, I'm going to put a couple bucks on the Brownies after watching some live football. Um, they also have the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, they got a new feature where you can bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So. Join join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. So if you guys can't figure this out, that's free money, folks. Use the promo code Locked On. That's all one word to activate the offer. So visit my bookie today, and don't forget the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the the dollar for dollar bonus. You win, you play, you win, and then you get paid. Absolutely, and the guys over at my bookie. Uh, thanks as always. You guys are so generous to us. Uh, we'll stick with, I guess, with the offensive side of the ball here, Matt, um, since we've you know been digging deep on the Le'Veon Bell situation. If he's not a factor, or if he doesn't even play, I mean, I think this is tougher for Cleveland from the aspect of they don't know, you know, they're used to facing Le'Veon Bell, you know, two times a year. They know what's going to go on, but now it's it's Ben Roethlisberger, and look, Ben has never met a shootout that he doesn't love. And you look at the great move they made, and I'm so sorry for all you Oakland Raider fans. Martavius Bryant for a third-round pick. Martavius Bryant, God knows if he's even going to have a career at this point. But you bring in a guy, and this was kind of guy I liked through the draft process. And at Oklahoma State, he was only really kind of credited as a deep threat. But through the Senior Bowl and through uh, you know the the uh, you know the draft process, you saw James Washington was a pretty more complete receiver than we. You know, he kind of thought he was from what Oklahoma State showed us, and now you're just adding yet another guy to Ben's arsenal. Yeah, they really are, and uh, not to sound at all biased, but I watched every snap of minicamp, every snap of the um, OTAs. I lived at St. Vincent's for training camp, and and of course I watched every preseason snap and. Without question, everyone has always talked about, I mean, James Washington makes a play every day. I mean, a big play every day. Goes up and gets the ball. He plays much bigger than his size would indicate as a downfield player. But there's some physicality to him, strong hands. Um, He's quickly developing into more than just a deep threat. But they've had deep threats here, you know, like a Bryant, like a Sammy Coates. That if that's all you can bring to the the, the offense, that's plenty because it's going to be one on one with all the attention Bell and Brown gets. So he's been extremely impressive. He was been a little dinged up, but I don't think there's any reason for concern there. Okay, and now you had you had touched on James Conner. Uh, you know, here's a guy you know been playing the protege role obviously for a little bit now. Here, you know, again got through the preseason. You know, he was the guy. Um, look, we all know Le'Veon Bell is not going to be part of this Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. In the you know going into the you know 2019 season, is James Conner is he starting to you know calm everyone down that it, it'll be an okay future? Is James Conner part of a solid foundational piece they can use as they go on? That's a difficult question. And before camp, I would have said no way he's a lifetime backup. Um, had a lot of trouble staying healthy, but in his rookie year. But since then, he's really trimmed down. Kind of took a role from Bell that way. You know, he's a much, much quicker, much more agile. Like Bell changed his body early in his career, and then he's really developed as a receiver too. Like, I think he's looked at Bell's career and said, "Hey, Bell was a second-round pick. I'm a third-round pick. 
Neither one of us blew it away as a rookie year. But look what he did. It worked. I'm going to give it a try. And he looks way better. And even like in the third preseason game, they treated Connor like he was Bell. You know, they detached him a lot. They ran the game plan as if Le'Veon Bell was in the game with them. And every test they give him, he keeps passing with flying colors. I still bet that they use a second-round pick or something on a running back next year. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, just since I was touching on 2019, um, the ridiculously good quarterback class of Philip Rivers, of Ben Roethlisberger, of Eli Manning. Uh, I'm here in New Jersey. Uh, you know, I constantly heard of, Dave, you know, of Gettleman coming in and saying, we think Eli has years of football, good football left in him. Right. Um, it's so tough when these guys are this age. And look, you know, all three of them are going to find their way to Canton. There's no doubt about it, in my opinion. Do you think there's more after 2018 if moving on from Le'Veon Bell is, you know, and Ben's always a tough one because he's kind of hinted at it at the past. Is there more to Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh plus 2018, in your opinion? Again, I would have had much more doubts about this before camp. And Browns fans aren't going to like hearing this, but it's the best that Ben's looked in years. I mean, he, you, know, you, you guys have probably read that, yeah, he reported the camp in the best shape of his life, and we've heard that a million times from a million players. But he's noticeably leaner. I mean, there, he's practicing a much higher percentage of the time than he did back in the day. There, there used to be many practices with, a lot of ice and braces and him moving around slowly and uncomfortable and fighting through practice. Not at all anymore. I mean, he he looks like a much younger version of himself. So just when I thought he was hitting, hitting the end here, he really looks like he's primed to have a huge year. Not what we wanted to hear. Not what we wanted to hear. No, not what you want to hear from... <laughs> Now, Matt, uh, you know, defensively, obviously, everybody knows about Miles Garrett and, you know, where he's at. Uh, the roster turnover for the Browns, 31 new guys out of the 53 from last year. Besides Miles Garrett, what, what are some concerns, in your opinion, that could face them from this Cleveland Browns defense? Yeah, I'm really interesting. I know this is exactly how you phrased the question, but I'm really interested to see how the Browns schematically play defense this year. There were... Playing Jabril Peppers in an immensely deep center field role told me two things. Well, indicated two things to me. First of all, just don't allow the big play. But secondly, that's not what he does well. I mean, he was a linebacker more or less at Michigan, and he needs to be near the line of scrimmage. So I really commended them for the Randall trade, assuming Randall is your single high guy. Hopefully he's not playing in the front row, but, you know, at least <laughs> – and – and you can be a little more aggressive that way and play a little more traditional and get guys in their best role. But I still leads me to questions about Greg Williams in that regard, but more so, and this is something I got from Football Outsiders Almanac, that the Browns played their base defense, their 3-4-4-3, you know, seven-man front, seven-man seven man on the field, only four defensive backs is the best way to put it. A ridiculously high percentage, you know, way more than any other team in the league, they had four defensive backs on the field. And I'm sure people were out there thinking, well, well, that's because teams were blowing the Browns out and just running on them late in games. But that wasn't the case. This was all the way through the first half. These were in close games. Contrary to popular belief, the Browns were very competitive in most of their games last year. That even against three receiver sets, 
Williams trotted out only four defensive backs a very high percentage of the time. I think that's losing football to me. I mean, to me, that is crazy talk, and I'm hoping that changes for the Browns' future or teams are going to pick these guys apart through the air. Well, and that's part of it. I mean, because now, I mean, the the modern age of football, and this is, I mean, I can remember probably a decade ago, teams drafting a third corner when they already had two good corners because basically what they were saying is our nickel defense, our dime defense, we're in that more than base. So, you know, I 100% agree with you, and that's kind of the things that drove people mad about Greg Williams. And maybe that's why Danny Shelton got traded because, you know, God forbid, Danny Shelton wasn't good dropping in coverage. You know, a 330-pound, you know, interior defensive lineman out of the University of Washington. So it's interesting from that aspect. Uh, guys, Matt Williams was here from the Lockdown NFL podcast. We're breaking down, uh, obviously, Brown Steelers. Matt knows both these, you know, organizations very well. Guys, Lockdown College has kicked off, and it's so far the reviews are fantastic. I do want to give a little plug to my guy, uh, Lockdown Knowles. Wayne McGahee, he does a great job down there in Tallahassee covering everything sports-wise. He's going to kill it with Lockdown Knowles. But for any college program you're looking for, Lockdown College, go ahead, check it out. Everybody's doing a fantastic job. We're glad to have him part of the family. Anything to help keep the network growing, we're all supportive of. Now, Matt, we'll flip it over to the other side of the ball. It's a little bit interesting in this aspect. Obviously, you know, the number one overall pick, only one of these rookie quarterbacks is starting week one in Sam Darnold. I'm okay with it from my Browns standpoint that Baker Mayfield isn't playing week one. I'm not sure if it's a front office thing where they're saying, look, you know, we don't want this head coach to rush our rookie quarterback the way he rushed another rookie quarterback. But Tyrod Taylor, and, you know, Tyrod's a veteran, um, and we talked in the pay, we, we talked last week about this, but he's he's deserving of an NFL starting job. It's not like he's just some guy who's the 31st, 32nd starting quarterback in the league. No, no, I think he's more than a placeholder, but not a franchise quarterback. I mean, on the Andy Dalton level or something along those lines. But the beauty of him, and this is no accident, I'm sure, is he values the football more than any quarterback in the league, including Alex Smith. And if you can cut those turnovers down by half, which isn't even asking that much because the number was so high before, all those close games I mentioned probably go the other way. I mean, you just can't win losing the turnover battle at such an unbelievable, you know, clip. So, can some conservancy, you know, conservativeness from the quarterback position, and maybe taking a four-yard gain on third and eight instead of forcing the ball isn't the end of the world, and it'll be a welcome change. I'm sure he's a good influence on Baker. Um, and, and I do think rushing the quarterback along is probably a mistake in this case, especially after we saw that situation handled last year. And even though the weapons are better, but still, let's you know. You, oh, for sure. You can't count on a Josh Gordon yet. It's just not the way it works. It did seem odd for me from the standpoint of, you know, your backup quarterback should be ready. He should see some number one reps. Um, you know, because now they're talking about maybe throwing out an undrafted free agent left tackle who's not gotten zero first-team reps, so it's okay to do it from that standpoint. Yeah, I was a little curious what's going on there. It's It's been maddening. And look, and for me, the thing is, Matt, is if you can steal a left tackle, and he could be your left tackle for a few years, that is a fantastic job by a front office. But there's no reason to rush it. And especially where you're going against a team that's handed you your lunch year in and year out for the past 20 years. Right. And... 
the Steelers did that with Alejandro Villanueva. You know, like, he came out of nowhere, they developed him, and it worked out great, and that's a gift from the gods. But, man, I mean, that's asking an awful lot. And especially because, you know what, he looked really good in the second and third quarters of the week four preseason game against the Detroit Lions when I had guys on who were, you know, Lions guys who said, you know, they would take two to three guys cut from the Cleveland Browns. So that kind of tells you the situation about the depth of its franchise like that. So he should have excelled. one of the worst pass rushes in the league when it's healthy. And, and they're one. Exactly. Yeah. So he should shine in that. But please, Browns, don't rush it. Don't rush it, whatever you do. Because we may see Baker by, you know, 137 on Sunday afternoon when it was supposed to be week six or seven. Um, now, obviously, the skill position, you know, with Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, you know, you bring in an Antonio Callaway, you know, uh, David Njoku. Uh, is Pittsburgh ready for this, you know, coverage-wise? I mean, th- there are some weapons here, and that's, I don't know if anybody's ready to believe it with Cleveland, but they're, Cleveland can, can, uh, can succeed with their passing game if they want to. Oh, I think. I mean, I think Njoku has star written all over him. A guy like Landry is a clear upgrade of what they've been having lately. You know, Duke Johnson used to be a big part of the passing game. I bet his role drops. I have no idea what to think about Gordon, but we know that there can be greatness there, and he's a threat no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I think weapon-wise, they're really in a good a good position. Not to mention Callaway, who's a wild card, but, I mean, the, the ability is very clear. Okay, now, Matt, from your standpoint, what is the one thing, you know, whether it's the running game, whether it's Josh Gordon, what is the one thing Pittsburgh probably should focus on here and has to take away from this team on Sunday? Hmm. It's a pretty good question. And one thing I brought up today on Steeler Nation Radio that should scare Steeler fans, and you mentioned his name earlier, and that's Miles Garrett. And I think a big portion of that, I said good things about James Conner. I mentioned Villanueva. But if Bell's not in the game, it's going to be hard to help Villanueva well. You know, that I just think Miles Garrett is a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, I think he's a, a utter superstar and is ready to show the world that, not just because of hard knocks. I mean, I love this guy coming out of school, obviously. And Villanueva was at a big disadvantage there. And if Bell's in the game and they can have him pass block, which he does very, very well, I think they'll do everything possible to slow Garrett down. But if not, I think he has a big game and can wreck things. He's uh, he's just excelling. I mean, everybody knew the uber-athlete that he was. And now there's just more technician work to him and the work that he's putting in that aspect. And it's scary what he can do. And you bring in a guy like Jannard Avery, and you know everybody seems to feast a little bit when you have one dominant pass rusher. Everybody kind of gets a little more excited, and it gets a little easier for them. So it's funny from that standpoint. Matt, before we let you go here, give me one other game that you think everybody should have their eyes on this weekend. I don't. I'm not even gonna pick a game. I mean, because we're kind of AFC North centric right now. Of course. I'm starting to really think that the Bengals are gonna make noise this year. I really, I really like that defense. I really like that. Yeah, I really like the defense. I mean, just resigned Geno Atkins. Their defensive ends are good. Carl Lawson to me is a star in the making that people don't realize yet. William Jackson. they're, They're decent on the second level. It's an aggressive scheme. Uh, the offensive line doesn't stink now. That's a huge improvement. And I think their skill guys are great. I mean, as long as Ross and Eifert stay healthy, which is, of course, a huge question mark. But at their peak, their skill guys are really, really good. 
I can see Mixon having a Le'Veon Bell-like career path, too. So He's one that loves AFC that pause North, button, too. What's that? I'm sorry. I said he's one that loves that pause button, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I haven't made predictions yet, but I think the Bengals are a playoff team. It's going to be interesting. It's really tough because, I mean, you know, we get so to this point, and everybody's like, oh, give us your predictions now, and you almost want to do it. Like, look, give us three weeks, four weeks, or whatever. But <laughs> William Jackson, there was a the guy, you know, injured, and now all of a sudden he's into the fold. Andrew Billings, another one out of Baylor. He was the guy I loved. The, you know, they served their time, you know, missing these guys, and now all of a sudden, you know, a Michael Johnson got moved on, and Ayaloka got moved on. That Bengals defense is legit, and look, I mean, usually with everything Cincinnati, you always say the same thing. It comes down to Andy Dalton, but this, it, it may be make or break, and there's no more joking around. It's it, it's on Andy Dalton's soldier, uh, on Andy Dalton's shoulders. Yeah, and I am not a Dalton believer. I rarely I'm say good things you. about him. I'm with but you. if the supporting cast is as good as we think it is, I think he can get him to 9 or 10 wins. Yeah, and probably he, lose in the first round of the playoffs. Which he's shown he's more than capable to do. Um, <laughs> right. Guys, uh, you've been listening to uh, Locked On Browns, Locked On NFL kind of crossover here, uh, breaking down, uh, you know, uh, obviously the Cleveland Browns versus Pittsburgh Steelers week one matchup. Uh, Matt Williamson has been so fantastic to join us here this evening. Matt does a killer job with the Locked On NFL podcast. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Guys, follow the Locked On Browns podcast. Follow the Locked On NFL podcast. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ Lloyd. Guys, as you can tell, we are all very fired up. It's time. It's September. It's time to get it on for real. Strap them up. Put them in. Put on your game day cleats. It's time to make it really go. Uh, guys, until we talk, uh, till the next time. Guys, F, thank you so much for the support for everybody for my show, the Locked On NFL show. Everybody at Locked On NFL, uh, Locked On Podcast, you guys are so great with everything you do and the support you give to us all. It makes it so much fun. It's so easy to do this job. Until we talk soon, good night, everyone.